Good, 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 good. Well, I am excited Christmas is upon us. Um, ready or not, here she comes, right? Yep, and all the guys are like, ugh. Yes, God, but we got four days. Yeah, you're right, you do. Um, good luck with that. So, um, real quick before we jump in and get going, man, I have just, ah, it has been a week. It has been a great week. So good. And, and I want to bring you all in upon that week with me for just a second. So, I had gotten a phone call this week. Um, and on the other end of the line um, was this person, and as we began to talk, it was actually the person who said, hey, I want to um, help out with this after-school program. I want to do something to kind of help you guys get along. And so uh, this person was going to front the $100,000 uh, to allow us to get the after-school program going, to purchase what we need to, and then we would just pay back as we go, as we can. Um, and so as I was talking to this person this week, um, they told me, they said, Scott, I, I just want to give you that money. Yeah! Wow. Um, and, and so that, that just, I was like, and I didn't say, are you sure? I, did, I just said, thank you. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to, I, I don't want to talk you out of it, right? I mean, God's moving. I don't want to stop that and impede that at all. Um, but no, um, so that, that, that person uh, graciously said, man, just, just take that. Let God use that for his glory, for his honor. I want no recognition um, he, he knows and he is well aware and so uh, man so we got a hundred thousand dollar gift this week to, yeah <laughs> uh, again I just, I just believe all the more God affirming having his hand upon it and, and moving and so that's going to free us up to do some amazing things here at this church with that after school ministry I said program Miss Becky I am so sorry it's a ministry after school ministry um, yeah she, she would tear me up not many people I'm afraid of in here but there's one um and so, uh, so we, we've got that great privilege and honor uh, to be able to serve this community in a way uh, to get the gospel in homes and kids. And so that, that was awesome. Uh, the second thing that I want to celebrate that I don't know if you're aware of what you did last week. Um, as I stood here and said, man, there's this family that's kind of come out of the blue. Um, that's got this need, a single mama um, raising three, three daughters. Um, and so there's an opportunity there for us to support, help. There's a great need. This is her first Christmas as a single mom. Um, there uh, and so uh, and you guys stepped up in a mighty way and gave and we you give over a thousand dollars last week for this family for Christmas so I mean that is yeah um, and so what the, so as a as your pastor what that does is just encourage me all the more uh, I mean I mean what a generous heart what what an open handed church we are and I just want to say we're going to continue to live that way we're going to continue to do that because I just believe God God will bless I believe the more we give and give away the more God's going to bless and use and work and so I just want to say thank you so much for that. Um, this family, this, this Christmas, this mama will be able to support and give Christmas to her family. And it's because New Life, New Life gave, just on a whim. I mean, like, there, wasn't a, there was just a five-minute announcement before service or during the announcements. Hey, if you want to give or help out, please see me. And so um, that, was, that was phenomenal there. And then the last thing, man, I just want to celebrate and pump up again was, was our kids last week. Uh, did they not do good? Yeah, they did. That's, I see you back there, Lane. That's right. I'll give you a shout-out, brother. That's right. Man, they did an amazing job just reminding us what this season is about, what, what this time of the year is really for. As, as the leaders there, I just want to say thank you. Uh, as they practiced Saturday and they uh, got together and they had a good time there and practiced and had their party, I just, I just, I mean, I was excited just to see and just to be reminded in, in the picture there of that manger scene and getting to see what this time of the year is really, really about. And so I just, again, I just want to say thank you 
children. I just want to say thank you to the leaders that played a role in that. Uh, Ms. Becky, there are so many. I don't, I don't want to name, name because I'll, I'll miss somebody, but just for giving your time. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate that. And I just want to say this. If you work in our children's ministry, whether it's from holding a baby to working with our students, man, you are making a difference. Whether you realize it or not, God is going to use you in a mighty, mighty way for his glory and for his honor in this church as it pertains to students. And so don't, don't ever ever forget that like I just think of my experience and where I'm at today I believe that that's because of a woman named Cindy Rader who poured into to me I know my sister sitting back there and she can attest uh, to that just that woman who loved on us and shared Jesus with us week in and week out and I just I just believe that that man you are making a difference in a mighty way in this church as it pertains to children I just want to say uh, thank you so much and so uh, this morning we're going to be in John chapter 1 as we finish up our series um, as it points us to uh, Christmas the light has come uh, John chapter 1 uh, we'll jump into verse 15 here in a few moments um, but last week, we just looked at how God's glory shines, and the way that it shines is through his son, Jesus. And so we got to see last week uh, God's glory shining in Jesus as we looked at John 1.14, and it says this, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Whose glory? God's glory. Glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so it's just a great verse to remind us of what this time of the year is really about. To point us back to what we really celebrate this time of year. is is the glory of God being made known in His Son, Jesus. So God's sending His Son in the form of a baby who's going to grow up to be a man. And will make His way to the cross. And on that cross, He will take for us the just wrath of a holy God. That's what we celebrate. That's where we landed as we unpacked John 1.14 last week. And so this week we're going to jump in starting in verse 15 here in just a minute. I'm going to ask you if you'd join me as we pray again. um, And then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. God, thank you so much for this morning. Just a time for us to reflect. A time for us to be reminded of great truth of who you are. And so Father, I pray this morning that you would move. God, for those that are watching online, God, for those that are sitting in this place this morning, Father, I pray that you would just, your Holy Spirit would weigh heavy upon us. Father, that you would have freedom to do as you see fit in this place. And so, Lord, I just want to pray as I do week in and week out, God, that you would save the lost. Whether they're watching our line or whether they're sitting here in this place this morning, Father, that, that, that you would just woo and draw and reveal to the heart of man whether they're yours or not. And God, in that, that you would gloriously save And so, Father, I beg of you, move this morning in this place. And God, encourage the heart that needs it. Lord, I know we've got a a bunch that are sick, that are struggling, that are hurting. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would be for them all that they need in this moment. And God, you are well aware of every need in this place. And I thank you for that, that you are a big God in control of all things at all times. And so, Lord, I just pray that you move. God, I pray that you speak. God, I pray that you supply our needs as you see fit. And Lord, may you receive all glory and all honor. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I hope, my plan this week is to show you how God through the birth of his son, through Jesus, brings about a new and better covenant of grace and truth. So John 1.15, this is what the word says. It says this. It says, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said. He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And then he goes on in verse 16 and says this, for from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. And so what we see here early on in the book of John, especially in verse 14, he's going to mention truth. You're going to see that word truth come up a good bit there in verse 14. And he could have said that here in this moment that we received uh, truth upon truth, but he doesn't. 
Instead, he changes gears for a moment, and he says that we receive grace upon grace. So, so I don't know about you, but, but I like grace. Any, anybody like grace? Like, I'm a grace guy. Like, give me grace. And I think the reason why I like grace so much is because I need it so much. Because I understand and I realize um, the struggles or the issues or what sin does. Like, like I feel the weight of that. And so I, I need grace. We all need grace. We don't like wrath. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes, ju- we like justice as long as it doesn't deal with us. But when something pertains to us, then what do we want? We want grace. And so I don't know if you recognize, but in that scripture it says grace upon grace. So if, if there's an opportunity to sign up for double grace, I mean, dub me up. I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like grace upon grace, a double serving, a double portion of grace. I want that. Who doesn't want that, right? And so as I was reading, as I was looking, as I was thinking about this, that from his fullness, the fullness of Jesus, we'll talk about that more in a minute, we've all received grace upon grace. And so I'm just reminded of what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. We've done nothing to deserve. We've done, we've done nothing to earn any of it. But God, his nature, his character is that of grace. And so what does he do? He bestows that upon us. And so I was trying to think this week, how, how can I illustrate that? And so this is what I need you to do. And it may be difficult for just a moment. But I need you to look under your chair. Because underneath your chair, there, is, there may be a sticker, there may not be a sticker that says grace upon grace. It's going to be a yellow piece of paper. So if you can kind of just search around for a moment, kind of see, I know we're, that's kind of the interactive moment this morning, I know. Merry Christmas, hey, just kind of look under there, should be a yellow piece of paper. If you need a young back to look for you. I promise it was, I didn't even stick it on there because I wanted, like I said, nothing, because I know where people sit. Any, anybody? No. Nobody. Well, that blows this, that blows this out. I bet he taped that sucker up there good. All right, well, let's, let's do it this way. Oh, we found it? Where? Has somebody pointed this way? No? Yes? No? No. Okay, well, let's just do it this way. Who's the last person in here this morning? Nobody's going to raise their hand. You're killing me. All right, come on up. Come on down, Shana. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sucker. You wish you'd have raised your hand. Come on. This is Shana. Everybody tell Shana, hey. Hey, Shana. See, they're not that bad. Grace. There you go, girl. You're welcome. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. But there's more. Because this is grace upon grace. So you just... Because there's nothing better at Christmas time than God's chicken, right? Chick-fil-A, there you go. You're welcome. Oh, but wait, 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 wait. There's more. Because I don't think one's enough. I think we should do two, don't you? Grace upon grace, girl. You're welcome. What have you done to earn that, to deserve that? I mean, other than Dean out there, but I mean, <laughs> we'll take that out of the equation. But that's not it. Because, you know, like, grace upon grace does this. Here, why don't you do Starbucks? I bet you like Starbucks. But we're not going to quit with one. Let's just keep going. I said, your, your daughters are like, yeah, keep it coming, Grace. You will never forget this sermon, will you? Like, Mama got graced this morning because, yeah, grace upon grace. I don't see why we would ever want to stop. But you know what I'm saying? Like, but this is what God does for us, right? Like, when you think, okay, Chick-fil-A, I'm, candy cane's cool. But Chick-fil-A, church just got good this morning for Miss Shane over here. And it just keeps getting better, does it not? I mean, grace upon grace. You wish you'd have looked harder underneath that chair now, don't you? Thank you. You are welcome, girl. 
Grace. Merry Christmas. You are welcome. Thank you, Miss Shana. Yeah. But, but, but as I read this, as I looked upon this, like, like she's done nothing to deserve that. Nothing to earn that. She didn't even know it was going to happen this morning. It could have happened to anybody else if you'd have looked for the yellow ticket. Yes, she did bring down us. That's right. But, but that's what God does for us, church. Is, is as, as I looked at that verse, from his fullness, the fullness of Jesus, we have received what? Grace upon grace. So as a result of Jesus being born, what do we get? We get grace upon grace, unmerited favor. And so what God has done is he's provided and made a way through his son, Jesus. And I know that's a, just a little candy cane, then some Chick-fil-A, and then some Starbucks, and some all that stuff, some little gift cards, things like that, to, to just get her Christmas season going all the more. I mean, imagine what God's done for us, grace upon grace. And, and, and gift cards are great, but it's not even, it's nothing compared to what the Son of God has done for us. Nothing compared to what God has done is he's lavished upon us this unmerited favor. And so after this verse here, what, what, what we see is that grace doesn't show up again in this gospel. We don't see grace mentioned again in the book of John, but what we do see is the word truth or true, and that occurs 55 separate times. And so what I believe, what I, what I take away from that is that John's just pointing to the reality that there's, there should never be a minimizing of truth in the gospel, that, that we need truth. We need to understand what truth is, and truth, ultimate truth, is found in the Word of God, is found in the nature and character of God. Like John 8, 23 says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, now we like to use that verse out of context, but what that simply means is, is that, that you will know truth. Truth is found in Jesus. That truth, whenever you're awakened to the reality of who Christ is, then you're set free. You're set free from everything. Because there's only true freedom found in Jesus Christ. That's the only place where freedom is found. So thinking you can live however you want to, partake on whatever you want to partake, do whatever you want to do, that's not true freedom. Not because you can be caught, because there's repercussions of that. There's, there's a number of things that roll down as a result of living how you want to live. But true freedom is found whenever you're clean before the King of kings and Lord of lords. When you are found righteous in the eyes of God, there is true freedom in that. Or John 17, 17 says this, sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. That's where we're set apart. That's where we grow in truth and understanding. And so these are just a few verses that point us to the importance of truth. But here we're seeing John put an emphasis on grace. Making a point here on grace. So it's important for us as believers as well as this world to see God's grace put on display. Like we need to see that. We, we need to be reminded of that. And so the world experiences God's grace every day. The lost of lost or the saved of saved experiences God's grace every day. And so it's this work called um, common grace. And so we're merited common grace. Whether you love Jesus ferociously or you can't stand him at all, we get to partake in common grace. Let, let, let me try to illustrate it for you for just a second. Because in common grace is just certain blessings and glories of God that are experienced to all. To all. So, so, so it's like this. Anyone ever been sick? And you go to the doctor, and what does the doctor do? Maybe run some tests. Maybe he finds something uh, uh, that, that's very important. And what does he do? He's able to diagnose. He's able to, uh, to give medicine. He's able to prescribe and do something there to, to make you well. Or maybe it's like this. You're driving down the road early in the morning, and the sun comes up. And what do you see? Is that, that, that beauty peeking through the trees. 
as you drive along, there it is, the sun coming up, and the colors of red and yellow and orange as they mix to make this beautiful, beautiful canvas that God has painted. Or, or maybe it's in the evening as you're uh, at home and you walk out on your back porch and you look over and what do you see is the sun setting. And the same thing, the colors as they mix and as they come together make this amazing, amazing picture of what our Creator has put together for His glory, for His honor. That is common grace. Whether you're lost or you're saved, you get to experience that. Or, or maybe it's like this. Anybody enjoy a good steak? Oh, yeah. Cook just right. And when you cut into that thing and you put it in your mouth, as those flavors burst in your mouth and you enjoy and savor that, maybe you're a salad person. God bless you if you are. And so maybe it's a salad with just the right dressing. I don't know. But if you enjoy that, enjoy it. But what that is, is as you experience and as you taste, the Creator has created us that way to partake and enjoy, and that's common grace. And so, so we all get to experience this common grace. All of these things are a part of God's good gift of grace. Whether you're born again or whether you're lost, you get to experience the benefits of these things. And so it's grace upon grace. And so what John is saying is that the way that people meet God, see God, get to know God is by looking at God's glory in Jesus. That's where grace lies. In the baby in a manger as God allows his son to be born and wrap himself in flesh and blood like us. That's God's grace being poured out upon us. The fullness of God's grace as he sends Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for sin. And so I always want to make an effort to point us to, to push us to the gospel because it's designed by God to reveal the glory of Christ. It's, it's, it's out there for God to point us to and show us what grace is, God's glory, and awaken people to see him and have eternal life in that. So grace is the supernatural power of God for regeneration. Regeneration, us being born against us coming alive in the reality of who Jesus Christ is by way of the Holy Spirit awakening in us this reality of our great need for him. Seeing ourselves as sinful and wicked and in need of a Savior, that's what happens. We're regenerated and it op God opens our blinded eyes so that we can see Christ for who he really is. See, this is what we pray for. This is what I pray for every week, week in and week out, as we gather as the gospel's proclaimed, that God would point to his glory in Jesus. It's what we pray for during this holiday season. I hope that's what you're praying for. That people will hear or read the story of Christ and as they do, God's grace would open up their eyes for his glory and that they would become children of God. Church, that's what we celebrate. That's why we gather here in this place week in and week out to celebrate the birth of Jesus, him in the form of a baby, the God-man who comes. That's God's grace upon grace because you and I have done nothing to deserve being saved. We have, there's nothing in us that merits anything good from God but because of his grace his unmerited favor he bestows it upon us he gives us his grace and we need that so desperately don't we and he goes on in verse 17 John he says for the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and so I think John here in this verse and the next is going to contrast Christ with Moses not because the law's not a gracious gift the law is a very gracious gift and hear me the, the law is such a good gift because what the law does is it doesn't save it doesn't redeem it doesn't rescue but the law points to the one who can 
So no matter how good you think you are, how great you can keep the law, the law doesn't redeem and rescue. Only Jesus does that. The whole point of the law was to point us to the one who's coming, the one who could save us, who could redeem us, who could rescue us. So the, the, the law is a good gift of God. It's a gracious gift, but it's not the gift in full. And so that's why in verse 16 it refers to receiving grace upon grace. First, one grace, Moses giving the law, and the other grace is Christ bringing the fullness of grace and truth. And so the contrast is that Moses points to grace, but what does Jesus do? He performs grace. Moses reports the word of God, but Jesus is the word of God. The law mirrors the light of God, but who is Jesus? Jesus is the very light of God. And this contrast is going to continue. Look in verse 18. It says, for no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so this is John's way of saying that even Moses, who said, show me your glory, was only allowed to see the back portion of it. That Moses couldn't even partake in God's full glory. So in Exodus thirty-three thirteen, it says, now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, this is Moses, please show me your ways. That I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. And he wanted to see God's present and active. And he says, show me now your ways. But that's not enough for him. He went a step further. He wanted to see God's full glory. As he continues in Exodus 33, 17 through 19, and says, The Lord said to Moses, so he responds, The very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses says, please show me your glory. And to this, God responds by revealing his grace in the backside of his glory. Exodus 33, 19 through 23 says, And God said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by and then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen so what we have uh, have what we have here in verse 18 is this contrast Christ who has seen God he has seen him as closely as God can be seen No one can see God the way that Jesus has because Jesus and the Father are one. They're one. That's the contrast with Moses. The focus is on seeing the glory of God. Moses glimpsed what? At the the back of God's glory. He couldn't even see it in full. And so what do we have in Jesus? Jesus embodies the fullness of God's glory. And that's what's so amazing about this time of the year is that we have the opportunity to gaze at and look at the full glory of God in Jesus. That's what's so amazing about the baby in a manger is that he's going to grow up to be a man and live a perfect life and die a sinner's death for us, become sin and shame for us and taste of the wrath of God so that we will never have to. And so we see Jesus embody that glory, become God's glory and we can gaze upon it. We can look fully at it through the scriptures, through the word. He embodies God's glory And so it reminds us that we get to see it in full. That's what this time of year does. It points us to the reality of who God is and what he's accomplished in Jesus. And that little baby in a manger. And so there's a difference. There's a vast difference between Moses the creature and Christ the creator. Moses is the pointer to grace 
And Christ is the performer of grace. Church, that's what we celebrate. Grace upon grace has been heaped upon us in a little manger in the form of a babe. And we have the opportunity to lap it up and believe in it and walk in it and be saved, be reconciled, made right before the creator of the universe. That's what this time of the year means. And so the one who's at the Father's side, he has made him known. God has become flesh. The very simplest believer who sees Jesus Christ sees the glory of God full of grace and truth. Jesus says it this way. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Have you looked at the Father? Have you looked at Jesus? May you see and experience the grace and glory of the Father this Christmas season in his son, Jesus. And so there's ways that we can do that. As Franklin comes back up, as we're about to partake in communion this morning, the ways that we can experience and see God's grace and his glory is first and foremost to be saved. Is if through the reality of the gospel and the proclamation of truth in this place this morning and the reality of God's grace being bestowed upon us in the form of Jesus, if maybe in that God has stirred in your heart this reality of, man, I don't know him that way. I know about him. I know some things about him. I've, I've come to church and done some stuff before. I've, I've been around it a little bit, but I don't have personal relationship with Jesus where I've confessed sin and I've gladly walked in obedience to, to his word and to his ways. Where I've seen myself as lost and in need of a savior and I've turned and put it all on him. All trust, all faith bestowed upon Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning saying, you know what, I need to be born again. I need to believe. I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Or maybe for you this morning you've done that and maybe for you this Christmas season needs to be spent in that of repentance. And, and I always want to make sure we understand what repentance truly is and what conviction is because conviction is a good gift of God. Con conviction is a good gift of God. It's, conviction is when, when we do something that God says not or something that doesn't add up to his standard or something that, that's contrary to what he would expect or do or live or say or be. For those of us who believe in Jesus and are saved, the Holy Spirit ever so subtly says, what are you doing? And just in that still small voice inside of us, says, Scott, man, I've, I've purchased you, I've redeemed you, you're mine, and I expect more out of mine. He says, why did you think that? Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why did you react that way? Why did you, whatever it was. And in that moment, we have the choice to make, whether we're going to submit and be like, God, you know what, you're right. Or we're just going to kind of suppress and continue to do what we want to do and live the way that we want to live. All the while, as loving, as gracious as he is, he continues to come. Because what I've learned is you, is you can't outrun God. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you can't outrun God. And the great news is this, is that you can't outsing God's grace either. And so for his, he comes for us and he reminds us of that and he brings about conviction. And in that moment, we have this great and awesome opportunity to repent. To just fall on our face before him, bear our heart that he already sees and knows. And we can ask him to break us and put us back together yet again. We can ask him and plead with him to forgive us of that sin and he says, it's forgiven. You're mine, now go and live in a way that honors me. And we can ask him to change our heart, to change our mind about sin. Help us have a holy hatred for God like you would. And we allow him to do that and to shape us and form us all the more into the image of his son. 
And so repentance is a good gift of God whereby we see our sin even in our salvation and we ask Him to change us and transform us and shape us and mold us all the more. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe there's sin and I'm telling you right now, church, hear me, it is easy to sin this time of year, is it not? If you don't believe me, go to Walmart. I still don't get why they have two registers open at Christmas time. For the love of the Lord, Right? All that is, and I think I, I, I think that that's God's plan, perfect plan, right? Because it's funny, like we're all patient and kind and good and gracious and loving. Go to Walmart and see what happens. He'll sanctify you real quick, grow you, and teach you, and show you some dirty little stuff about yourself that you forgot about, maybe suppressed. But it's a good gift of God, and so this morning maybe that's. That's what you need to do is just spend time praying and asking God to just reveal sin, forgive you of your sin. The relationship's there, but maybe it's fractured a little bit and he'll just mend that. And that's what I love about my God is that he will mend that. He, he longs for that relationship to be made right. And if you're his, he's going to keep coming after you until you give in because he's good and gracious that way. And so maybe that's the two responses you need this morning. Either, you know what? It's God, I've never believed in Jesus as my Savior. And so how amazing would that be to celebrate this 2020 of all years, right? God saves you and rescues you from your sin. Makes you right with Him. Or maybe this morning you just need to spend some time before the cross praying. And so that leads us into this time of communion. Because Paul kind of echoes that in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So when he uses the word unworthy, it's just unfit or kind of this ritualistic type thing that you do. It's an unrepentant heart. Maybe a spirit of bitterness or any other ungodly attitude that could be present. That's unworthy. And then when he uses this word guilty, and I, and I never want to be guilty before the Lord. And thank God for his son that I don't have to be. But when he uses this word guilty, it means to come to this table clinging to our sin and dishonor the ceremony and the body and the blood of Jesus. And so by taking it in an unworthy manner is to mock Christ's sacrifice for our sins by holding on to our sin. And so for us as believers, there's no area of our life that's shut off to Christ. And so what Paul is saying here to the church at Corinth is, man, you just need to check yourself. You need to make sure that you're right before a holy God. And understanding that that rightness is only found in Jesus, a relationship with Him. But if there be any sin that's maybe plaguing you or any sin that's, that's nagging at you or pulling at you or any sin that has caused you to stray, He says, man, bring it before the Lord before you take of this, 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 this cup and take of this bread, which is body. And so He says in verse 28, let a person examine themselves. It means to test or to prove, to make sure. And so what are we making sure of this morning? That one, we belong to Christ, and two, that we're not living in open rebellion. And so that's the good gift of our Father, is He convicts us and He lets us know if there's sin or if there's, there's stuff there that's clouded it. And by that, we come before Him and we re repent. He says, and then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. It's condemnation is the thought there. And so you're saying by taking the elements that you are guilty and deserve the strictest punishment. And then look at some of the results as a, uh, for taking it in unworthy manners. He says in verse 30 that, that this is why many of you are weak and ill and some of you have even died. He says, but if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. 
Oh, there it is. Because God loves us as his children. And what does a good father do? A good father disciplines, right? So that's what he's saying. And so what I want us to do this morning, Franklin's just going to pray for a minute. If you want to come to the altar, you're more than welcome to. If you want to sit in your chair this morning and just reflect upon this week, this month, the last few months, conversations, lack of conversation. I don't know what is going on in your life or what God would stir in this holy moment. But I just want you to be aware of the Holy Spirit prompting. And so maybe for you, like I said, there's just something going on in your life that you just want to take before the cross and say, Jesus, I agree with you that it's sin and that's wrong and that I need you here in this moment, in this area, whatever it may be. So let's pray. And if you, like I said, you want to come down, I'll be down here. We'd love to pray with you, love to talk to you. If you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, I will be here as well. I know Austin's here. We would love to talk more about what that means. But we're just going to take a few moments here before we partake of the elements of the table and just to check our heart and test ourselves. So you be obedient to Jesus in this moment.